0: Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, uh, this will probably be the principle and culture part of that introduction. want to start a new series here, um, and I don't know if we'll have a, a name for it uh, exactly, uh, but we'll figure it out along the way. For many years since I've moved back, people have uh, told me, uh, you have to meet this guy named Rabbi Alush. You have to hear Rabbi Alush. You have to listen to him speak. You have to listen to his sermons and I um, I finally did, and I understood why they were so um, excited to have me do so. This is a very special man. He is Rabbi Pinchas Alush. He is in studio with us. He spells his last name A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. He has his own podcast. You can get it through Apple Podcasts, Rabbi Alush. Again, Rabbi A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. He sees things, obviously, uh, from a god godly perspective, but with a keen insight, one of the keenest insights into human nature and the ability to apprehend the uh, co- combination of both, um, godliness and human nature, that I this, this, this very special and gifted talent I knew I wanted on my radio show and to do something with. So we are going to have a regular series, weekly series, with Rabbi Alush, the Upfront part of it might just be a little rocky in scheduling because of some travel, but we'll get on a regular course here. Rabbi Alush, welcome to the studio. Thank you so much, and I'm
1: humbled by your words. Uh, Thank you. Not at all.
0: Well-deserved on your part. As I would do with any first-time guest, start anywhere you want and take as long as you want. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, What kind of a name is Alush? Where is that accent? Uh, How did you come to be doing what you're doing? Your family? Anything, anywhere, anyhow. Sure, sure. So
1: Alush is probably uh, rooted in uh, a North African name. Alush may mean uh, sheep in Arabic, and that is most probably because my ancestors were shepherds. Um, But I will mention also that the name Alush is mentioned in the Bible as one of the 42 stops that the Jewish people had in the desert on their way to the Promised Land. So that's where the name comes from. But uh, I myself was born in France, in Toulouse. Uh, My father was an aeronautical engineer, and he worked for Airbus. Airbus is headquartered in Toulouse, and therefore we lived there. And then at the age of eight, my family moved to South Africa, Johannesburg, South Africa. We lived there for six years. And then we moved once again, this time to Israel. And uh, I think that's why my accent is is mixed. But um, at the age of 18... I moved then to Switzerland, to Geneva, Switzerland, where I lived for a year. I also lived in Italy for years. So I've been around where I did my rabbinic studies, and eventually moved back to Israel, got married in Israel, and my wife was born in Caracas, Venezuela, but she was raised in Miami, and uh, we knew that uh, after we were married that we were coming back to America, so we moved back to America, lived in Atlanta for four years, and then from Atlanta we came to Phoenix, where uh, one of my great pleasures is to forge this special <laughs>
0: friendship with you, Seth. You're very kind. Uh, children, yes. So we have. We are blessed with ten children. Yeah, that's, ten children. that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's something else. And yeah. I, And yet, you have this tremendously young, young countenance. You have I, a I, very I, popular and growing congregation, in Scottsdale too. Would you like to say a word about that?
1: Sure. Yes. So we founded this congregation in July of 2010. Uh, called Congregation Beth Tafila in Scottsdale. Everyone is welcome, including all of your listeners. And uh, we founded it because we identified this need to quench the spiritual thirst of people. As we all know, we live in a broken world where people are searching for meaning, searching for the why, and searching for connection. Connection with themselves, the deeper self, connection with people, and connection with God. And we realized in 2010 that, really, there was no Jewish congregation, really, that was facing outwards to the point that they were as welcoming as could be. So we decided to found this congregation, Congregation Tefila, which is steeped, of course, in our heritage. Tefila
0: means house of prayer. House
1: of prayer. Mm-hmm. And it comes from the prophetic words of a house of prayer for all nations. And that, really, is the goal, to serve as a beacon of light, as a house of prayer, as a place of connection for all nations, for everyone. Of course, it's a Jewish congregation and steeped in the Jewish values and heritage.
0: I know people who aren't Jewish who go, by the right, way. Yeah. Right, right, Exactly. And we, we welcome each and all. And, and and I know a lot of non-Orthodox who go. I don't even know if Orthodox means anything. And okay. Do you use right. that phrase?
1: Do we talk yeah, about? That's a good question, right? Because, yes, I mean, I know Jews are sometimes labeled Orthodox or yeah. Reform or Conservative, yeah. referring to the affiliation of uh, these, these groups. but Maybe outdated it, a little uh, Yeah, very outdated. I despise labels. I often say that labels are for meatpacking and mm-hmm. for clothing. Good. Not Good. for human beings. Good. And in fact, if you think about this, these labels are quite new in Jewish history. They're about 300 years old. Right, right. Of course. So, there was no such thing, uh, there right? There was no such right. thing. Right. right, Moses. Right. Was the author? <laughs> right. Right. So, so we try and, uh, and just define ourselves as Jewish.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I heard someone the other day disc- well, anyway, that yeah. yeah, it's okay. I won't I, I don't have to go down that route. But that is what you do with your podcast and I want to say something about your podcast. Again, folks, you can get it on Apple Podcasts, the Rabbi Alush podcast. They're, they're they're there's an old line that there's a short road which is long and a long road which is short. These are short podcasts, only about 5 or 6 minutes, but boy, there is a lot in them. So a really good way to start your day or week if you want, uh, and it only takes about five minutes, and you'll be thinking about it all day. What gave you the idea to do this, and how the heck – I can't say my name in five minutes. How do you do this? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good question. Um,
1: you know, I was I was told by many, you should start a podcast, you should start a podcast, you should start a podcast, because uh, you have a message that's both relevant and at the same time also um, uh, steeped in in divinity. So I finally got to it, started this podcast about a year ago, and uh, we've experienced tremendous success with it. I I often think of that line of Winston Churchill. Um, He was once asked, you may be familiar with this quick anecdote. He was once asked to speak at this conference, and he insisted on knowing how long he should speak for. And they told him, Mr. Churchill, you're a great orator. You can speak for however long you want. He says, no, I need to know. They asked him why. And he said, because if you ask me to speak for an hour, it only takes me five minutes to prepare. Uh-huh. If you ask me to speak for five minutes,
0: yeah. it takes me an hour to prepare. It's true. It is <laughs> right? true. It's true. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. We, we have a similar story, Bill. What, uh, it was a memo to Richard Nixon – From Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who was his domestic policy advisor. Do you know this Mm -hmm. one? And Moynihan started the memo to him saying, I don't have time to write you a short memo, so I will write you a long one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. same concept. Yeah. Right. Well, you do these tremendous podcasts, and I want to get into some of your most recent ones. And maybe a way to get there is just picking up on something you said. You noticed that. Your congregation and your efforts as a rabbi, and you're also a teacher, um, I guess rabbi means teacher, doesn't it, right. um, has to do with you and your wife noticing something broken, something broken. Was it a broken world? Is it broken people? Is it broken spirits? What's broken? So uh, that's a great question.
1: If I had to identify the root of it, I think that the family unit is broken. And uh, it's no secret that the divorce rates are skyrocketing, that the mental health crisis is is spreading like fire, and it all stems from this family unit that is broken. If indeed it was strong, stable, and filled with love and unconditional devotion to our children, I think we would have a less broken world. So I would say that that is really the root of the brokenness, uh, which then leads to broken people – and leads eventually to broken spirits and to a broken world altogether.
0: You've probably done a lot of counseling. I know you've done a lot of reading and research on this question. But if you were to identify, either as a scholar or as a rabbi, the chief cause of what breaks up a family or a marriage or cause is, where would you point? What would you identify?
1: Um, Look, I'm no big expert i did do a lot of reading, and I do do a lot of counseling to both married couples and uh you know children who need help i i I would tend to say that the chief cause is a um, godless family unit that eventually leads to many voices that uh capture the center stage voice, voices that cannot be reconciled because they are not steeped in the oneness of God. Are they temptations? Temptations,
0: certainly. Yeah.
1: Many Yeah, many different types of voices.
0: Yeah, many different types of voices. We're going to a break, and I wonder if you might address this on the other side of the break. I'll just plan it with you. Something to me—I'm no expert either. You're, you're more of an expert on this than I, but from my observations and readings— Something about the breakup of marriages, families, relationships. Maybe there's something about people viewing things or relationships as too disposable. There's too much disposable in this world and not enough appreciation for what should be durable. Might you address yourself to that when we come back, Rabbi Alouche? Absolutely, Alush? sure. Rabbi Alush is my guest. You can get his podcast, the Rabbi Alush podcast, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Delighted to have uh, Rabbi Pinchas Alush uh, in studio with us. He is the uh, chief rabbi at Congregation Beth Tefila in Scottsdale, but also the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast. We're kicking off a series here. He spells his name A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. Don't please be offended that I keep spelling it for the audience. When you have Leibson as your last name, you're used to spelling it for people. These things are not, shall we say, self-evident truths. Uh, Rabbi Alush. We're talking about breakup of family uh, as the cause of so much uh, brokenness. Generally, that breakup leads to more brokenness. Uh, and I was saying maybe in some of my observations, I, there's something about this world that's become, at least to the human mind, too disposable. It seems I try. I talk about. I, I try and talk about things as the durables, um, the things that are important, the things that should last. Of course, wedding vows you would think of as that sort of thing, but. A lot of things seem to be disposable, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a wife or husband, whether it's any number of things, good, g- good things people have in life. It even maybe leads to addictions, too. I notice, in, I do a lot in the prevention world. I notice people who get in the grip of addiction find themselves disposing and leaving behind and tossing away all their great values and talents, too. Maybe, maybe say something about durables and disposables.
1: Right. I agree. But you're right. We live in a society where when it's broken— you just go to Home Depot and you buy a new one. Right, right. You don't really
0: fix it. Or and, even easier on you know, right, right online. You don't right. even have to leave your house. That, right. That's right. right. That's right. With the click of the right. mouse, right.
1: you're, you're right. in a new place. Right. And uh, you're engaging in escapism. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I would say that that is very much connected, interconnected with the idea of commitment. Okay. Right? So I, I don't think that people are as committed as they need to be or maybe as they used to be. And this – unconditional commitment that I need to have towards my spouse or this unconditional commitment that I need to have towards my children is unfortunately not as existent as it was, maybe because we also live in a very open world where we are bombarded by so many distractions and uh, primarily by our phone, mm-hmm. our phone that rings at every moment or vibrates at every moment depending on the mode you're on. Yeah. And uh, we forget to really be as present and therefore as committed as could be. You know, one of the great Hebrew words is hineni. We find that word in the Bible many times, but it's interesting because it appears for the first time in the first conversation in the Bible between a parent and a child. And that is when Abraham is taking Isaac for the famous binding of Isaac. Isaac turns to his father and his father immediately tells him, hineni, which means, here I am. I am fully present. I am present. And this is the first conversation recorded in the Bible, perhaps, because God is trying to teach us that it is not just an important element of every conversation, but maybe the most essential element of every parent-child connection, of perhaps every family connection.
0: Your either most recent podcast, or one of them, one of the last three or four, let me back up and say you have been privileged to have studied with great teachers, world-renowned teachers who will be known through the centuries. You, you were blessed that way, privileged that way. Um, and you asked one of them if there was one word, this is, relates, I think, directly to what you were saying, if there was one word that sums up, what, the Bible or God or something, the word would have been consistent? Uh, that's Which correct. Which goes right to what we were talking about. Right. Do that for us right. if you don't Consistency, mind. that's okay.
1: correct. I had asked my beloved mentor of blessed memory, Abadin Steinzeltz, Evan Israel, who was also coined by the Time magazine as a once in a millennium scholar. Yeah, he was, was well recognized yeah. as an Israeli really world scholar, uh, a genius of the highest order, as the Newsweek magazine called him. But I asked him if he had to condense the message of Judaism into one word, which word would he pick? I was sure he was going to pick love, kindness, you know, those, those values. But he immediately said, no, consistency consistency it's your ability indeed to be as consistent as could be with those good deeds with those commitments and with those relationships
0: the etymology of consistency from the latin is to just stand there to stand still and to stand there and i don't know the world of scholarship you know i I think I—let I, I, me just put it this way. I've tried to study and understand a little bit of—hopefully of, uh, you won't think it's too much apostasy, but Greek philosophy. So Aristotle talks about, in teaching of the virtues, that the best way to teach virtues to a child is, a. of course, first through example. But he then says something interesting. The example has to be clear and consistent. Again, there's that word consistent. Mm. Mm. There right. has to be something that's ongoing and regular, I guess it leads you not to str- – or keeps you from straying like we were talking.
1: Right, right. And and uh, I love the word modeling too. I think that's yes. also very, yes. very crucial. It reminds me – I think it was Mark Twain who said that people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on educating the children, and then all of those thousands of dollars go down the drain to save $5 yeah. at a Entry of a of a, of a um, an amusement park right. when the parent tries to jump over the gate to save those five dollars, right. right, 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 or something like that. Yeah, but it's the modeling that really permeates the consciousness of our children.
0: It it it's certainly an obligation modeling that is imposed, I would think, extra heavily upon such a man as yourself, someone who would hold themselves out, who is a rabbi uh you have to you have to carry uh yourself in a certain way in a community one would think but there's a lesson there really for everyone is maybe that's the message your teacher was trying to convey in a way too and that you were conveying in your podcast that we all have a duty to example not just to our children but to each other maybe um there's a principle in Judaism about even if you're not doing something wrong, if it looks wrong, um, what am I thinking, Mara sign something like this, right. it, 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 do, t- do that for me. If you, oh, right. You, you can't ha- show an appearance of being wrong lest it leads someone to think that that's okay or that you are doing it. Wrong, right. right? Even, that, if not, even if you're that's not. That's correct. That's correct. And that,
1: the core of that is because in Judaism, you stand not just for yourself, but you as a cre- creation that was created in the image of God, you stand for God. Every single human being stands for God because he or she was created in the image of God. And if I have indeed an image of God reflected upon me, upon my face, then I have to also be cognizant that what I do will reflect upon God himself. And thus I have to be so careful about being a good representative for God on planet Earth. I stand not just for myself but for God himself.
0: A friend of mine uh, once told me when I asked for advice on how to handle a situation I was walking into that I knew would be uncomfortable with someone I didn't necessarily want to be interacting with. Uh, The advice uh, that person gave me, and people here have printed it up and put it on a few computer terminals. It represents exactly what you were saying. This friend said, well, just ask yourself as you walk in that door, what is my holy mission? Mm-hmm. What is my holy mission? It's a nice way to think, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's a, uh,
0: it's a nice way to think about not just right. tough times, but your everyday.
1: That's right. One of the great Jewish sages would say that instead of people asking, What I need, they should be asking, What am
0: I needed for? There you go. There you right. go. I love that. Let me pick up when we come back from the other side of this break. It's the smallest victories that count most. I want to hear what you have to say about that. That is your pod. I'll give you more than you give yourself on your podcast. How's that? <laughs> I'm Seth Leifson. He is Rabbi Pinkas Chalush, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. You can get his podcast on Apple Podcasts, and I would obviously encourage you to do so. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. It's a privilege and honor to have in studio with me Rabbi Salush, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. And as we get going, I'll stop spelling it, but as I, as I and the audience is getting to know you better, uh, we'll, we'll just uh, be as elementary or rudimentary as possible. Rabbi, one of your more recent podcasts that I, I think uh, has a volume of logic in it, these things are only about five minutes long. My gosh, you put so much in them. It's the small victories that count the most. What were you getting
1: at? So uh, it's funny because we were just speaking about consistency, and uh, I was getting first and foremost at that. It's very easy in life, and we've all seen these big artists, uh, you know, come splashing on the big stages of life, but just as quickly disappearing. Yep. And uh, not a durable. No, that's correct. Yeah, or even these sports stars, yes, right? Right. <laughs> I remember. Uh, A few of them, just just making a big mark, having a good game. Sometimes
0: a few politicians. That's right. right.
1: Yeah, but that, as we all know, is really not what creates a mark on this world. What creates a mark on this world is the ability to engage in small victories day in and day out. And that eventually is what makes an impact. You know, one of the great, if I may, one of the great Jewish stories is about a scholar of some 2,000 years ago named Rabbi Akiva who until the age of 40 was a complete ignorance. He was a shepherd who was truly as simple as it gets. And one day he was shepherding his sheep in the mountains and he sees a drop of water hitting a spot on the rock and he looks more carefully and he sees that this drop of water continues to hit the rock and hit the rock at the exact same spot. And he goes back to it every day and after a while he sees that these drops of water were able to penetrate the rock, to create a hole in the rock. And he concluded, wow, if those drops of water can create this hole in this rock, I'm sure that if I expose myself to the heavenly waters of God, of his teachings, they will be able to penetrate my rock. And he then decided at the age of 40 to change his life completely and go and study God's heavenly waters, so to speak. He became afterwards one of the great scholars of Jewish history. And the reason was because he understood this idea that one drop after another drop after another drop can indeed create a hole in the rocks of this world. It's those consistent small victories that really make an impact, not the big splashes of life.
0: Yeah, right. Um, the the big splashes of life, it's interesting. Uh, the, 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 one of the... Um one of the, uh, I guess, I guess he would be affiliated mostly with the Catholic theology. Uh, uh, British writers G.K. Chesterton came to America, wrote a book about it in the 1920s. And uh, in the opening to the book, he's talking about equality and how even then people were saying America is unequal and unequal. And he said it's the most equal place he ever saw. He said uh, equality is the norm in America. And one of the things he says, I'll get it almost right. I'll I'll maybe miss it just a little bit, he says. But America is a place of uh, rising and falling stars where... A man can be famous one day and it won't count long till he is in fa- until he is either infamous or never famous again. And he says, and that will happen to every American at some point, mm. uh, that they can't live long enough to see a man famous forgotten mm. uh, in this country. But beware the splash, right? right. Beware, right. beware the sizzle. Go for That's the steak right. in another right. parlance perhaps.
1: Right. And the flip side of that, I would add, if I may, and that is because our perspective on life is really so narrow. We can right. seldom see the big picture. And if we are drawn to the big splashes, we might miss in that process the small little victories that really, in God's eyes, in life's eyes, are much greater than the big splashes. To give you a quick example, just last week, I met a student of mine who's now 27 years old, and he was a student of mine when, I was, when he was 14. And he reminded me of a little comment that I made in class that I had myself almost forgotten. But he said that that comment was what made the greatest impact on him as a student. And I said to myself, you see, you never know. It's those small victories that can really create those big changes much more than one can ever fathom.
0: You said something provocative in a speech once, perhaps related to this, I think maybe directly related to this, about uh, doing something that may seem small to you but big or important to God. And uh, this was a short segment. We have a longer one coming up. Can we chase that down a little bit when we come back? Sure. Uh, it's sure. Maybe you've forgotten. I'm reminding you of All something. I right. uh, sure. promise you I'm not making it up, though. Rabbi Pingas Alush is our guest. Check out his podcast on Apple Podcasts, the Rabbi Alush Podcast, A-L-L-O-U. C-H-E. It may be small to you, but it's big to God. And is there cases where the opposite is true? You know, maybe you think you're doing something that's quite a big deal, and maybe eh, maybe not so much. Rabbi and I will pick that up when we come right back. I don't know what Rabbi Alush thinks of my music, but that's Johnny Cash singing a song written by Bob Dylan, if that helps, love it. a.k.a. Robert Zimmerman. Rabbi Elush is our uh, is our in-studio guest, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E, his podcast, The Rabbi Elush Podcast. Yes, so relate some of this to that sermon I was privileged to hear you give on, and I think it was actually, you said it at the very end, I think it was the very concluding point to your sermon um, that what you may do may seem s- small to you, but it 's big to god did i do I have that right that's correct okay
1: yes that's right, because, as mentioned, our life perspective is very narrow, but um in god 's eyes, the small deeds could be indeed very very big, and the reason for that is because when God sees that we pay attention to the details of life, he considers that as big. As, as it gets, because if you really think about this, even just purely on an intellectual level, what creates life? What creates life? What creates life is our attention to the details, our attention to the way we treat one another, to the way we smile, to the way we we, 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 we even give a, a, you know five-minute attention to our children to help them with homework, to the way we control ourselves and not say that knee-jerk reaction that we so wanted to say. It's really those moments that eventually create the tapestry of life. The big moments may be fun, may be grandiose, but they don't create life. It's like the vacations. Vacations don't create life. It's the way I treat myself, uh, treat others, sorry, in 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 my business, in my work.
0: It's the way the I speak to my spouse. day in and day out, that word consistency. That's right, and that's what God
1: looks at the most.
0: A lot of people, you've spoken a lot on... Um, Sadness and depression, and I want to circle back and have you tell, you use the word smile, tell the story about the importance of a smile. Maybe it's related to this. Mm -hmm. Um, People going through it sometimes, they may not think at that moment God's caring about them, that they're forgotten by God. Are they? No, they're not forgotten
1: by God. They're forgotten by man that gets you to that. That's yeah. right. I, I, that's, <laughs> well done, Rabbi. Well No, done. <laughs> thank you. And that's the, the travesty year. It's almost, to use an extreme line, but it's almost what um, Elie Wiesel, the famed Holocaust survivor, answered when, when he was asked, where was God in the Holocaust? And he responded, that's not my question. My question was, where was man in the Holocaust? The world stood silent at the face of this evil. So where was man? And that's where we come into the picture. And we come into the picture by focusing on those details to make sure that every detail is indeed considered and every detail is infused with divinity. That's what life is all about. And if you want – yes, I'm happy to share that story. You may
0: not think a smile is important. That's right.
1: That's right. Exactly. So – but it can change a life or even save a life. Uh, One of the great forensic um, psychologists who – in San Francisco who's – task is to trace back uh, the uh, people who commi- trace back the steps of people who committed suicide. Um, it tells the story of how his task just a few months ago was to trace back the steps of a person who had jumped off the Golden Bridge in San Francisco and it led him to his little apartment and When he reached his apartment, he saw a little note on the desk that wasn't a surprise to him because he'd seen many suicidal notes. But when he opened it up, he was flabbergasted. He read the note, and the note said as follows, I am on my way to jumping from the Golden Bridge and committing suicide. But if someone along the way will stop and smile at me, I promise I will change my mind forever and will never put an end to my life. Unfortunately, this man did jump off the bridge, which meant that no one stopped to smile at him. Now, just imagine one smile can not only change a life but save a life. If we paid attention to those details and lived fully present in every moment to be those agents of God, those agents of goodness in this world, I think our world would look different and certainly more positive.
0: I uh, was blessed to meet, uh, privileged and blessed to meet uh, your your son who I believe— would have just turned thirteen. That's right. Yeah, we just celebrated his bar mitzvah about um, two months ago, maybe month and a half ago. And uh, and I asked him what he learned this week, and without missing a beat, he said the importance of a smile. Hmm. That's the importance so of a smile. So it's about how we treat one another. Is that the is that another essence of living a. Um, a godly, religious, or spiritual life? I don't know what phrase or term you might want to use, if, if there is one. But it, it, yes, our relationship to God, but perhaps our relationship to man is symbolic of our relationship to God. Would you agree with that? or uh, Am I on a track here? Absolutely. Or right track? Okay. No,
1: absolutely. It goes back to what we said before, that living is standing for God and being his channel of goodness in this world. God wants us to shine his light, to do so, we need to smile. A smile is perhaps the best conveyor of godliness in this world.
0: Are we all as emissaries?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Our souls were sent here on a mission, not just to live a good life, as they say, but rather to share his light and to be those channels of goodness and kindness.
0: And it would seem to me that in a place of Kindness. Uh, goodness is a topic for our next hour, maybe. Mm-hmm. Let's stick with kindness okay. for a moment. They're obviously yeah. cognates. But, but it seems to me that one of the biggest struggles we have, and you had redounded to it in our opening, was the brokenness and the challenges with mental health in our children. And uh, it seems to me we have, in so many respects, forgotten our mission not only to our human being but really to the children and i think we went really through hyperspeed if not fifth gear on doing a number on them over the last few years and it must make your challenge just all the greater all the time must
1: right yeah uh, absolutely it does it does look and i don't i don't uh, uh, I don't blame our children also for that's the thing. For, yeah, the for thing. falling into all sorts of temptations
0: that's and seductions. That's the thing. I always say we wouldn't have child problems if we didn't have adult problems. Right. Right. That's very well said. Yeah. The phrase I, I – and maybe we can pick up on this another time too. This is our, we're going to close here is I think too many adults use children to soothe their anxieties. It's a, that's a different kind of abuse of mm-hmm. children, and, and they're not prepared for that. They're just not mature enough emotionally or mentally to deal with that.
1: That's right. That's right. We forget that our duty and I know I'm a parent of 10 children, as mentioned before, that our duty as parents is first and foremost to be authorities of values and and uh, not 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 becoming in a way slaves to
0: our children's desires. That's right. There's a difference between a friend and a parent. That's Sometimes correct. we shan't confuse the That's two. Right. Rabbi Alush, for our first installment, let me thank you very much and say how much I look forward to our next visit.
1: Thank you. Me too, Seth. It's a pleasure.
0: Rabbi Pinchas Alush, the Rabbi Alush podcast, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. I'll be right back. You've heard a lot, you, a lot of you have heard me talking about Y Refi for some time now. And if you are interested in talking to one of their customers in the local area who has done very well by investing with them, they would love to put you in touch with them. Check them out at 888 Y, or give them a call, I should say, at 888 Y Refi 34. 888, the letter Y, R E F Y 34. They're happy to put you in touch with any number of their satisfied customers who are happily investing with them. And think about your IRA, too. If you would like it to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market, um, you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds and keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. InvestYRefi.com. Check them out at InvestYRefi.com uh we um i certainly enjoyed having uh rabbi Alush uh with us um for the past hour and uh it'll be uh we'll, we'll do these things on fridays and then he has to take a little bit of a of a uh, travel break and then we'll resume and uh if you have questions for the rabbi by the way anything um about uh questions on judaism questions about the soul, questions about life, even if not about Judaism. Uh, He is a, uh, I think the word I want to use here is polymath. He has studied in a great many things, as you can tell. Uh, Someone ran a quote by me the other day that's been attributed to any number of uh, religious leaders. I've seen it attributed, for example, to the Dalai Lama. I've seen it, you know, how sometimes these things go. Uh, And it actually belongs uh, best we can uh, figure out it belongs to a, um, a, uh, a pastor in uh, Seattle. And I'll just close uh, with uh, this line of his that I think is a nice message to end uh, the week with and maybe to put a capstone on my conversation with Rabbi Alouche. We've conquered outer space but not inner space. We've done large things and larger things but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but we've polluted the soul. We've split the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but learn less. Plan more, but accomplish less. We make faster planes, but longer lines. We learned to rush, but not to wait. We have more weapons, but less peace. Higher incomes, but lower morals. More parties, but less fun. More food, but less appeasement. More incomes, but lower morals more acquaintances but fewer friends, more effort but less success. We build more computers to hold more information to produce more copies than ever but have less communication. We can drive smaller cars that have bigger problems and build larger factories that produce less. we become long on quantity but short on quality. Times of fast foods and slow digestion, tall men but short character. Steep in profits, but shallow in relationships. Worth thinking about. God bless you all. Thank you for spending some of your day and week with us. Until Monday, God bless you all. I'm Seth Leipson, and class is dismissed.